Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio and intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. For this week's episode of Small Cups of Tea, I am joined by my guest, Maddie Eden. Madeline Eden is the 2020 Democratic candidate for the Texas State House of Representatives in District 17. When elected, she will be the first LGBTQ representative for House District 17. Maddie has lived with her family in Bastrop for over a decade, where she has been an active volunteer, community organizer, and vocal advocate for voting rights. She's the current chair of the Bastrop County Stonewall Democrats, a former Democratic precinct chair, and currently works full-time as the chief technology officer for Civitech PBC, an Austin-based public benefits corporation that develops information management systems for progressive political candidates and social impact organizations. Maddie is also known for her work with Register to Vote, a Texas-based nonprofit, which she founded with her business partner, Jeremy Smith, in early 2018. During the most recent midterm election cycle, the organization successfully harnessed the grassroots power of over 1,000 engaged volunteers to register more than 150,000 Texans before the 2018 voter registration deadline. Register to Vote has since continued on to create a suite of free tools that are used by nonprofits across the country to identify and register new voters. Her campaign is working to address a wide range of issues, including the expansion of Medicaid in Texas, marijuana legalization, rural broadband accessibility, the protection of women's and LGBTQ rights. She also believes that balance must be established in the Texas House during the 2020 election cycle in order to prevent the unconstitutional gerrymandering of our state election districts during the 2021 redistricting process. Maddie has been endorsed by LGBTQ Victory Fund, by LPAC, which builds political strength and increases representation for and with LGBTQ women, and by Vote Pro-Choice. For more information about or to donate to her campaign, please visit her website at EdenforTexas.com. Hi, Maddie. Hey, Bri. How's this? Good, good. This, well, first shout out to Amy for this long bio, which she messaged me asking if it was too long. I'm like, no, this is relevant information. It's a mouthful, that's for sure. Uh, I'm so excited to sit and chat with you. Um, We met almost a year ago now. Well, yeah, uh, six months, seven months. Um, What is time anymore in quarantine? Uh, Yeah, it's all just today. Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I kind of want to just jump in and like, what made you want to run in this race, especially like, why now? Uh, I mean, 
couple things, I guess. Um, my representative is kind of a, he's the, he's the co-sponsor of a lot of discriminatory legislation in the 2019 and prior legislative sessions since he took office in 2015. And, uh, you know, he, he is a, he's kind of the worst Republican <laughs> type of Republican in the sense that, you know, he, uh, he keeps his head down, he votes party lines, and he, he like maintains a very low profile, right? Um, but he's still just as discriminatory and, um, you know, uh, bad as generally all the rest. Um, and I mean, this, this 2020 election is, is, I mean, super important, right? Because we have all of these things that are going to happen in 2021 with, you know, the, I guess the culmination of that, uh, coming into the redistricting process following the census and they are going to, in the Texas uh, legislature, redistrict all of Texas for another 10 years. And so flipping the Texas House in 2020 is super important because if we don't do that, we won't have any say at all in the redistricting process. Um, and, and so that means they get to define all, they get to re-gerrymander the state for another decade. Uh, and we're basically screwed at that point. Um, and so, yeah, in 2018, we flipped uh, 12 house seats um, and we're at this point nine seats away and so there are a lot of different uh, you know um, I guess contested districts in test in Texas right now that, that I think you know are uh, basically really primed for for flipping and and taking over the Texas house in, in order to really kind of you know, make a difference here in Texas. If we if we do that, you know, and we bring up, I guess, the electorate all over the state, we're going to be able to effectively, hopefully, flip the whole state. At which point, you know, that's kind of game over for the GOP because um, they can't really win. They can't really win the presidency without Texas. So, um, yeah, I guess this was a lot of reasons, uh, but but yeah, yeah. I I also want to get into the conversation of what is the difference between the house the senate and congress because i feel like that is often like thrown around so often and even like me who is super into politics even sometimes i'm like i know there's a difference <laughs> but i never fully ever remember what the difference is so i think that'd be important to, to tell my people too right well i mean okay so uh there's of course you know, you have state level politics and you have federal level politics, right? Um, and the federal being the entire United States. Uh, and so for the entire U.S., you have a United States Senate and you have a, a United States House of Representatives. Um, and so the House of Representatives is, is generally supposed to be the House of the People, right? Um, and it is... <laughs> our government is so broken, right? Like, uh, we have, I think it's 435 different, um, representatives from, you know, various states. Uh, the number of representatives each state receives is of course, uh, based upon their population. Um, and so in 2021, you're going to see, uh, Texas get like three more congressional representatives or two more, something like that, because the population has grown so much in the ten, last 10 years. Now, um, you know, the, the the Congress, of course, the Senate, the House, are one of the three co-equal branches of government. Um, and with the Senate, 
it is it is considered kind of like the upper chamber, right? Um, and so your senators are every state in, in, in the country gets two senators. So you know both of these uh, both of these pieces of our government are really broken. Um, the the House of Representatives has not had an increase in its members um, since the 1920s. Uh, right now, if you were to keep up with the population in the United States, the House would basically be, I don't know, 1,500 members, something like that. Um, and then the Senate is, is probably the most broken piece of our government ever, right, uh, besides the Supreme Court, which is, since every state gets two senators, um, you, the, the amount of representation that each state is receiving is, is very different. Um, so in Texas, we have two senators. And um, in North Dakota, they have two senators. And in South Dakota, they have two senators. So between like North and South Dakota with, you know, maybe a million people, give or take, um, you have four senators. And in Texas, we have two with, you know, 30 million people. Um, California with 50 million people has two senators. So you see like it, it's kind of broken in it right there uh, and, and in terms of like how representation works. So for bills to become laws, right, they have to pass through the House and the Senate before they are, of course, signed into law by the executive branch. Um, so <laughs> government lesson 101, right? Like you, you have to basically control all three of those branches or, or of those groups, not branches, uh, the executive, the Senate and the House in order to push a bill through. Um, now, if you don't control all three, then uh, you have to do, you know, everything is bipartisan, right? Everybody has to agree, or at least mostly. And so that's kind of how the whole system, you know, keeps working. Uh, now, on the state level, <laughs> you also have a Senate and a House of Representatives. Um, and you don't have a president, you have a governor. And on a state legislative level, states have, uh, you know, um, states have a lot of rights. And there's not a lot that you can't pass on a state level that you... Uh, could all, couldn't also pass on a federal level. Um, I mean, there's a few things, uh, you know, pertaining especially to like education um, and, you know, some lower level like uh, budgetary taxation stuff. But generally speaking, it's, it's very similar. So in Texas, we have a house of, uh, state house of representatives, which is, is a, approximately 150 representatives. Um, and, uh, we uh, also have a Senate, um, and that actually works better, a little better than the U.S. Senate because our, our Senate districts in Texas are, uh, you know, we don't we don't have as many of them. Uh, well, I mean, so we have two state senators to the federal level, but we have, you know, a lot more um, state legislative senators, right? So, like right now, where you and I are living in Travis and Bastrop counties, we share a state Senate district. And that state senate district is comprised of roughly 500, you know, 50,000 people. Um, and uh, our state senate district is Senate District 14. Kirk Watson used to have that. He um, stepped down. And so in this July, we're going to have a special election where we're going to decide on who our next state senator is. The same rules basically still apply uh, as at the federal level, right? You have to basically pass a, a state law through both the the state House of Representatives and the state Senate before it can be signed into a state law by the governor. Um, and so, yeah, that's 
my very long-winded explanation of what the difference between Senate and, and you know, the House are. But thank um, you. <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's good. It's important. I and, and and I think it's most important because I want people to know what they're voting for, right? Like I think people who just vote down ballot, sure, that's that's your jam. But also like literally knowing and doing your research and you know, recently for me, it's been so fascinating to like really look into like the judges who are running right now and remembering that a judge is like a lifelong seat. So like once these people are in, we're like, if they're awful, we're screwed. Right. So I, I think we're in a really interesting place of like people really finally, finally starting to pay attention. If it's, you know, trying to get someone on your city council out or get a new president into office. So no, I, I think it is very important for people to, to know the difference. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so, but in the Texas Senate, right, there's, there are 31 members. Um, and so right now that's one of the other big initiatives in this, 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 this election cycle is um, what the Republic is the Republican party in Texas has what they call a supermajority, Right. Um, so they don't even have to consider Democrats or anything that Democrats are saying in order to pass anything through the Texas Senate. And so winning back a couple of those Senate seats this year is, is, is also critical um, because the supermajority there gives them a lot of power. Um, but yeah, I, I digress. Uh, so, I mean, it is important. The down ballot is important. I, most people do not understand exactly how much impact your state representative and your state legislature has over your everyday life right? mm -hmm. I mean, everything from you know local control issues to um, you know uh, health care access uh, to uh, you know marijuana laws um, you know most of the states that have passed marijuana legislation over the last decade uh, you know have, have done so without support from the federal government and so these places where marijuana is legal, you know, are, are at a state level, you know, it's not a national level, right? It's still illegal federally. Um, but, you know, and, and the big one though is I think healthcare, right? Like with the ACA um, in Texas, you had at the, you know, in 2000, when, when they came out with Obamacare, um, Texas of course decided they were not going to it was a voluntary thing for states to expand their healthcare systems under the Affordable Care Act. And Texas, because of course it was named Obamacare, opted to not do that for the state. Um, there are hundreds, uh, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, that we have paid out in taxes, billions of dollars really we paid in taxes, hundreds of millions of dollars a year that we're missing out on um, in, in federal uh, support for our healthcare system here in Texas because, you know, our state government decided that they didn't want to expand our healthcare coverage. Um, so things like the, uh, you know, the healthcare marketplace um, here in Texas, like we don't have as many options as other states because we've never expanded Medicare, right? Um, and, and we, you know, we uh, have never expanded under the ACA. And so, you know, there are millions of Texans today that are still uninsured because we have a Republican controlled um, legislature here that that refuses to expand healthcare access on the basis of the name of that, you know, of, of what they call it, right? Um, like, if, I, I suppose if they had called it anything but Obamacare, it, mm -hmm. maybe we could have, you know, all had better insurance. But 
you know, and this affects, it affects all of us. Like, it's not just the people without insurance, right? People without insurance it affect the insurability of everybody else and the cost of insurance. And so it, it all, It's a trickle know, down. It all, yeah, it all works in tandem. Yeah. This is more of a, I think technically a trickle up, right? But sure. it, 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 that's his thing. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Like I said, you know, down ballot, your local government, your local legislature, you know, all of these things really matter. They are all super critical to, um, to your everyday life. Uh, and in a lot of ways they impact your everyday life a lot more than what people are doing at the federal level. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's, we're coming to a time in our history where people are actually starting to pay attention to this, where people are actually starting to understand the, the impact, right. Uh, that, that these kinds of things have. And, and so they're, they're paying a lot more attention you know, hopefully, <laughs> but yeah. we'll see. Um, well, I, I think we see that with the amount of people who are showing up at polling places, wanting to vote, really paying attention to who is running. And, you know, I saw a video yesterday when I was on Instagram of this place in Kentucky. They had another election yesterday and, you know, how polling locations have changed or they just like have locked the doors and like really, dense black populated areas so that vote like looking and actually like seeing voter suppression and and people who are finally getting that like it actually happens and if we think back to me when Stacey Abrams was running in Georgia and how much voter suppression was happening there and how much I don't think people really it wasn't something they realized until they had to like sit and watch it and so that's that's really what I wanted to talk to you about today of like voter registration, voter suppression, especially with the work that you've been doing, um, and especially here in Texas, which is <laughs> one of the worst places to try to get registered to vote because there's just so many <sighs> things in place to make it so difficult. So yeah, I want to kind of pivot into into that conversation. Definitely. I mean, love uh, talking about voter registration, <laughs> um, you know, because you think about it, it's like we're in the year 2020 you know, we should all be like voting from our phones or something, right? It should mm -hmm. be secure. Like I can, I can get into my bank account, you know, I can, I can send you money. Um, you know, I can send anybody in the world money in like five seconds, but I, I you know, like uh, the devices obviously aren't secure enough to cast the vote from, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, it makes, makes a lot more sense that, that we should have to register to vote using a paper, piece of paper, you know, and uh, have to work through the counties that we live in in order to become registered to vote. And then, you know, we're, we're kind of at the mercy of, of, you know, our state and county election officials um, to give us, you know, make our polling locations accessible and, and to create, uh, you know, an environment where it's safe for us to vote, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and so, Texas is easily one of the worst, like you said. Uh, you know, we have a ton of, um, and, I, and I think this this speaks to what you're saying before, right? Like uh, to to Kentucky um, with with them shutting down polling locations. Part of the way that these folks win elections, right, is um, by limiting access to the polls. And one of the ways you do that is by limiting access to voter registration so that you can't actually register to go to the polls, right? Uh, in Texas, we have a, a thing called a deputy voter registration law. 
um, where you have 254 counties. Um, and if you want to help people register to vote in Texas, you have to be a deputy in each of the, in each of the counties you want to help people register in. Uh, <clears throat> and if you are not and you assist somebody with registering to vote, it is a felony. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, it makes it kind of difficult. We don't have online voter registration. Uh, and we, you know, we don't have, we don't have a lot of, um, I would guess, support from uh, some of the rural counties where the, you know, the elections officials uh, are, are really into voter suppression. And so what, what I mean by that is these folks um, will go out of their way to make it difficult for people to become deputy voter registrars. They will go out of their way uh, to make it difficult for people to get registered. Um, and it, it's very common, uh, you know, and, and, and that's not, that's, that's like just to get to the polls. We're not even talking about the voter ID laws. We're not talking about, you know, like the motor voter laws where people are supposed to be able to register, where for years people were supposed to be able to register when they, you know, updated their driver's license. And, and that just, you know, that was a system that they just turned off or didn't have working. And so, you know, there was a, there were federal lawsuits over that, but, um, I mean, the reality of it is, uh, that, Voter suppression is is prevalent all over this country, and it was, and voter registration, even of itself, uh, is kind of a, an interesting topic, right? It was certainly something that was implemented in order to diminish the uh, the capability uh, of minority populations to to vote, um, and I mean, because really, there's nothing preventing us from doing same day voter registration, automatic voter registration, online voter registration. Uh, you know, allowing people to vote without ID. Um, it's there. These are things that we're all perfectly capable of implementing, but we live in a place where it's not in the best interests of the party that's in control to enable us to do those things. So, um, you know, it's it's really kind of screwy. One of the ways that we fixed that here in Texas in 2018 was we created the register to vote system. Um, which ironically is, has been adopted by the, you know, Secretary of State uh, here in Texas um, as a system by which uh, folks should use to get registered, um, mostly because it, it just kind of, the, the crushing weight, weight of voter registration and the Secretary of State having to perform it themselves using the archaic methods that they've employed, right, literally grinds that organization to a halt once every two years. Um, before the election because they get millions of voter registration applications on paper sent to their office. So one of the reasons that they approved of this online system that we built uh, is because it, it, it motivates people, or it, 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 I guess, motivates people to, well, they're motivating people to use it, but we're basically facilitating a direct uh, connection between the voter or the person who's registering to vote and their county. So our system, basically, we mail people the same paper application that the SOS would mail them, but ours is pre-addressed to go back to their county registrar instead of to Austin Secretary of State. So, um, you know, it cuts, cuts out kind of the middleman, right? Uh, and there was, it, it was a very effective system for getting folks registered in 2018. A lot of people have used it since then. Um, we've registered hundreds of thousands of voters in Texas with it. Uh, but it is still, you know like, and this is from the person who built it, it is an archaic system, 
right? Like there is no point should should I be having to build a system in the year 2020 that that mails people physical paper forms for them to sign and then send back in the mail, right? Um, that's just so they can vote. I, I mean, I think that's it's it should be criminal at this point, but for whatever reason, it's not. Um, you know, I used to think when I was younger that there might be a case for for voter fraud, uh, but you know, um, the data just isn't there to to, to prove that. And um, you know, there, there there's there's never been any real, I, I mean, demonstrative uh, example of wide scale voter fraud anywhere in our country. So um, you know, I think that the 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 only explanation you're left with is voter suppression, right? Um, and here in Texas, it's death by a thousand cuts. You know, it's, it's like if there was something that was so uh, explicitly um, provable that it was, uh, you, you know, that it's that it basically purposely, um, you know, I guess eliminated the ability for certain minority populations to get to the polls and things like that. Like anything that is like absolutely voter suppression, like undeniable, you can prove it with numbers um, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like they've already gotten rid of all of that, right? Everything else is like in the gray area. Mm. Um, and so, the, you know, it's, it's all little pieces, right? So voter registration programs that, that you, you know, you have to be registered 30 days before an election, you know, and the, do you know what the number one day for voters to get registered in the United States is? I want to say like the day that they go to actually vote, like when they're, yes. when they're trying to go vote. And I mean, even when we work together, like we would hear so many people, we have to include like if your state has online versus not having online, just because online is way quicker and you know, it's a quicker turnaround too, but then also like that 30 day window here in Texas of like, if you want to vote in November, you have to be registered 30 days before that. And so just all of the different ways that are put into place. And then I always think about like people who have been incarcerated, who get out, who still can't vote. And it's like, they serve their time. Why aren't they able to vote in elections? Like they're still people who live in this country. Yeah, and I mean, I think that in and of itself is, is horrible, right? Like, uh, there have been court cases in, in Florida the last couple of years uh, where the governor of Florida, of course, had uh, put in an executive order that prevented, um, you know, known felons from voting. Uh, and, of course, that got overruled on a ballot initiative. Um, and, you know, and then, then of course it went into court and they tried to implement the equivalent of a poll tax for these folks and that got overturned as well. And so, I mean, you might actually have people like in Florida, at least in 2020, who are able to vote that weren't able to vote before. Um, and I think that's like over a million people there, right? Uh, it's, it's crazy that, that, that they would still be employing laws like that. In Texas, you know, um, if you're in prison, uh, you can't vote if you're on probation as a as a felon um you can't vote but if you have served your time and you uh, are off paper you are able to vote um and the the sad part is, is most people don't know that right i have registered thousands of people who didn't know that they were allowed to vote right most people in texas there's the lack of voter education in this state is is appalling um and it's the number of people who 
don't know that they're even allowed to vote is, is still very high. Uh, and it's, it's, it really is a screwed up thing because we're living in a country where um, like that sort of, uh, I guess that sort of approach to, you know, disenfranchising voters is, is very effective, right? We are in a, in a country where 40% or well, we, we we incarcerate and have more people in prison in this country than any other country in the world, right? Um, we have millions of people in prison right now. And uh, the, the biggest reason for that is because it's big money. And, mm-hmm. um, and so the more people that are in the prisons, the more money that the prisons are making. And, you know, it doesn't matter about the conditions, but, but uh, as much as it, to them, um, but, you know, at the same time that you've got, these uh, these folks who so where what is it like something like forty percent of our the populations of our prison represent like ten percent of the racial uh, demographic mm-hmm. of our country um, so it's heavily slighted uh, in in that regard and you know you've got minorities who who really just um, have basically been disenfranchised from the poll from disinformation and. Uh, you know, and, and just kind of like a, a lack of knowledge regarding when they're allowed to vote after they come out of the system, right? The system, and it's a system that's basically built to keep you there, right? Like, uh, and, and so, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into this. It's, it's a, um, the methods and processes that they use for voter suppression all over our country, or, you know, it's, it's, it's a rabbit hole. And, and once you get into the disinformation side of it, you know, that, the propaganda nonsense that the other side basically spews out online regarding, you know, like voter fraud and, and, and like appropriateness of felons voting and all of this nonsense. Once you get past, you know, that there's still so much information there that you, it takes a really long time to kind of understand exactly what all is going on. Um, and, and so, you know, I think, I think we're at a point in time though, where, where there are a lot more people becoming aware of, of this stuff. Right. Like these are all things that, you know, um, I didn't have a clue about 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. And, and they were just as prevalent back then, more so even. Um, For me also, it's another like window into voter suppression is like the accessibility to vote. And I know a big conversation we're having as a country right now is vote by mail. And that also saying like people also saying that's going to lead to, to voter fraud. Um, but vote by mail has been accessible to like, people over 65 or with a disability for years and so you know the conversations you know you and I have had about you know being in the middle of a pandemic and people who don't feel comfortable voting I mean we see what happened in Wisconsin when they had an election during when you know we were really at one of one of the peaks of the pandemic and people were still out there with masks on wanting to vote and for me it's just been interesting to think about like for example 45 voted by mail because technically he's still a Florida resident and but yet turned around and said that he doesn't (laughs) think that vote by mail is is a good call um so yeah that's been a really interesting thing for me too of like watching the fight that like progress Texas has been posting about with vote by mail and, and the work that's trying to get done around that just because it is an accessibility issue and you know, that's another way that we're, we're causing it to be so difficult to vote because people are, are afraid to go out and vote, especially when we have these stay at home orders, but now <laughs> we want to go out and vote too. So. Yeah. yeah. And it almost feels like it's all like almost intentional at this point, doesn't it? 
a little, a little bit. <laughs> and you know, the vote by mail thing is is really just the best example I can think of personally regarding how well this this new government driven propaganda machine is working. Right, like we have states here, um, Oregon, for example, uh, they only do vote by mail. Right. And it's been that way for a long time. And there's never been any sort of demonstrated cases of voter fraud. And if there were, they were very, very low, right? It's like you could find some, but it's so difficult to actually pull it off that it's, it's, it's you know, the, yeah. The, the point is, like, there's never been any, like, proven cases of wide-scale voter fraud with vote-by-mail. Um, and we have states that that only do vote by mail. The states that only do vote by mail have the highest voter turnout in the country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not, I don't know. I, I think the fact that we've been doing vote by mail here in Texas for as long as we have, right. And that it is what you call an excuse only state, right. Meaning in Texas, you can only vote by mail if you are over 65, if you are out of the County during the election, if you are, um, if you're if you're in jail, right, uh, you can vote by mail, and or you know in the hospital. I, I think, but that the hospital part classifies under disability, right, which is the other reason that you can vote by mail in Texas. Uh, the irony is there was you know uh, I've done a lot of voter outreach over the last several months, uh, especially regarding vote by mail, and the number of people that I have talked to who are 100% convinced that, that vote by mail is um, super insecure and uh, is the number one way that people cheat, like with voting. No, I'm not even kidding. It is prevalent right now, and a lot of that is because that's the narrative that, that mm-hmm. is being pushed out, right? Um, even across our own state, where they've been doing vote by mail forever, and you know, so many of these people vote by mail themselves, uh, and and then you know these court cases that happened recently in Texas uh, regarding vote by mail, right? Uh, like you said, Progress Texas and, and the Texas Democratic Party and, 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 and some other folks kind of banded together to go and, and sue the state, you know, on a federal and on a state level um, to basically get them, uh, to compel them to allow a vote by mail for everybody, right? Regardless of age, um, which shouldn't be a big deal. We're one of the, you know, we are a very, technologically advanced state. We have a, you know, one of the largest economies in the world. We should be able to implement vote by mail, no problem. We are already doing it for, you know, a a large portion of the voting population. And instead they have pushed back against it. They have uh, turned it into what is these these court hearings into what equate to a a political disinformation campaign, right? Um, And, you know, they've basically been calling the people who are responsible for executing our vote by mail programs are, are, are saying that the potential for fraudulent voting exists there. And that in and of itself should be criminal, but it's not. Um, and, and, and more importantly, you know, it's kind of taken the focus off of the real issue, right? Which is we have a ton of people uh, in a state where we are going to be peaking um, during the middle of a pandemic. We have our own spike. Texas is growing at a very, the number of COVID cases in Texas is growing at an incredibly rapid pace right now. Um, and so, you know, vote by mail in November is, is, a, is a really good idea. But, um, you know, the fact is, is, is 
is there, there's all this discussion about whether or not everybody should be covered under the disability clause of our excuse voting system, right? And that piece of it right there is the part where the disinformation has become the worst, right? Even the state Supreme Court who ruled on this effectively ended up saying the exact same thing, right? Which was, if you have an underlying health condition, or you know, if you feel like your life may be put in danger because of this pandemic, then that probably classifies you under the disability clause. So in theory, right, anybody can go and claim disability and request a ballot by mail in Texas. Anybody can do that. You don't want to put COVID on there because for whatever reason, like fear of COVID, you know, not just the existence of it is not a reason to vote by mail. But disability is a reason to vote by mail. And the government has absolutely no right or um, a, they cannot really ask you about what your disability is, right? And so by claiming disability, they simply have to process your ballot by mail, give you a ballot by mail, and it's really that simple. Unfortunately, now there's, now there's all this disinformation where people are, are you know, thinking that, that they're going to get arrested if they uh, you know, request a ballot by mail. Um, or, you know, they think that, that people are fraudulently, fraudulently voting because, you know, using ballot by, ballot by mail. And so the whole process of, you know, filing these court cases, I kind of feel like it backfired on us a little. Um, you know, whereas we could have just proceeded, you know, with under the, uh, using an explanation of what the law actually says, which is basically, you know, if you have a disability and, and at this point, like, I, I'm, I think, right, you know, and, and not just that, but I would, I would argue that we all have a disability because we are all human and none of us has an immunity to this disease. So, you know, we all are effectively disabled. It's the same reason we're all trapped in our houses 90% of the time, right? So uh, it makes sense to me. I've, I've, I've told everybody I know they should be voting by mail, um, regardless of what the, the, you know, you hear on TV, um, simply because it's, 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 it provides a lot more safety to everybody. Um, you know, if you know somebody that's old, if you live with somebody who's who's got a you know immunodeficiency, if you, um, I mean, there there are a hundred different reasons why why you shouldn't be going to these polling places in the middle of uh, in the middle of this pandemic that that don't have anything to do with the idiots that are refusing to wear a mask. Okay, <laughs> that are going to be there voting at the same time. But it's well, and not to mention like how overrun voting locations usually are too. like the amount of people who go out because even if we think about like early voting like how many people actually still go to early vote so we think about like the day of like people who go and vote the day of are they going to be wearing masks are they going to be able to clean the machines between every person like like you're saying this is just helping to even just spread the to stop the spreading of COVID potentially so yeah I mean, I've been talking extensively with my county elections administrator about how they're, you know, preventing um, the potential spread of COVID. You know, they've acquired 15,000, 16,000 masks to provide to people. You know, my, our, my county where I live is taking it seriously. Yeah, I have also talked to other counties that in my district where they are not taking it seriously. Um, and really, you know, for most folks, the time to request a ballot by mail in the, in the state is, is past. It's not past, but it, it is going to be probably by the time this airs. And so, um, you know, there, there are other options, too. You can, 
anybody can generally request curbside voting in Texas. When you pull up there, there's a number you can call. They will bring you the ballot to the car, right? They'll either bring the ballot or they'll bring the a tablet or whatever, and you'll be able to vote from your car. And in a lot of cases, that's going to be a lot, uh, provide, you know, that is going to be a lot safer for people to, do, to you know, do in a lot of cases this year, like especially right now in July. Um, you know, in Harris County, they're saying that it's going to peak middle of July, right? And election day is the 15th. And like you said, not enough people in the state take advantage of early voting. So, um, you know, and that's a lot more than, it's become more prevalent in the state of Texas for folks to early vote. You know, it's, it's at least somewhere around 50% now, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but the idea that, that for two weeks you got 50% of the population going through and voting and then for one day, you have the rest of the population going through to vote. Uh, just baffles me why anyone would want to put themselves through that. Um, and I think part of that goes right back to voter suppression, right? Part of that is the fact that in a lot of counties, uh, especially if they've got less than 100,000 people, which is just a dumb law, um, they can set very limited early voting hours, right? They can limit it to a week. They can limit it from, from 9 to 5. Um, Monday through Friday, uh, they can limit it to very, uh, you know, specific polling locations where, you know, that aren't necessarily accessible to a lot of the population. Uh, and so, I mean, ultimately, it, there's, I guess there's reasons people don't really vote. And in a lot of cases, it's because wherever they're living, it's not as convenient. You know, in Travis County, it's great. You can go vote, you know, like once every three blocks, you can vote anywhere, um, you know, using polling centers. But but in a lot of these other counties, like Caldwell County, for example, you know, they've, they've basically taken advantage of this new polling center law in order to limit the number of, of, of polling locations that are going to be available on election day. And the number of early voting locations are, are limited to, you know, two very specific areas of the county that um, are basically positioned in order to disenfranchise the, the Hispanic segment of the population out in that county. Um, and you see that all over the place. Uh, you see counties basically eliminating polling locations left and right this year. Um, a friend of mine has, has done a lot of uh, analysis on this and, and you know he's found I mean 10, 20 counties that are that are really like violating the Voting Rights Act and um, you know that are basically violating uh, the election laws in Texas because of the number of polling locations that they closed down and the way that they've disenfranchised the minority population, the segments of the population out there. So I mean and you know this is just all stems back to guess what we were talking about right in the beginning, right? It's like this is how they win. This is this is you know how you cheat without cheating, right? Um, you just change the rules, so or you kind of bend them. But um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry, you got me ranting. And no, I, I this is why I wanted you on because you're so knowledgeable in this. I think people need to listen and, and, and know what's going on. And, and, you know, I, I'm going to make this like a call to action episode of like, make sure you're registered to vote, re research the elections that are coming up, know who's on your ballot, um, look into voter vote by, sorry, vote by mail. If it's available in your area, go out and early vote, <laughs> take all the precautions you can. So. Yeah. 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 Because that's how we win. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, people of conscience actually stepping up and, and doing things like early voting, right? It's, it's like the more of us who early vote, the, the fewer of us who are, who are clogging up the polls on election day, right? 
Um, and, and so it's like, it's worth going out of your way and taking the time to do it, you know, uh, as opposed to trying to stand in lines on election day. And I mean, I've, I've asked so many people about that. I'm like, why do people do this? And, and I've been told like, oh, they like to put on their Sunday hat and go to the polls, you know, and I'm just like, great. So, um, you know, and, 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 and the scariest part though for me is like the number of seniors I've talked to who, um, are like, I'm not going to vote by mail. I like to go to the polls and, you know, um, I only vote on election day. I'm just like, you're like a triple threat there, you know? Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it, this is going to be a rough year for elections. Nobody, nobody knows what to expect right now. Nobody knows how this is going to look. Nobody knows how this is going to play out. Um, I personally feel like it's, it's, it doesn't look great, right? Like the the outlook is not good, um, is what my magic eight ball said. And it, it's like I don't think that we're even we're barely halfway through the year, right? And this is what it looks like now. Can you just step back and think about how this is going to progress and what things are going to look like by November? Because if you can figure that shit out. <laughs> I mean, you are doing way better than, than me and, and most other people because there's just no telling it right now, right? I mean, who the hell knows what this is gonna look like? Um, but I can't imagine that it's going to look better than it does now. So, um, you know, a call to action is the right thing, right? It's like people taking action now means that you know, we will hopefully be that much more capable of, of you know, dealing with this come November. Um, and we'll be more prepared is, I guess, my hope. But, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of the, you know, the protests and the rioting and the, you know, uh, basically all of this dissension and, 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 and anger. And, and, and I think, you know, it's like when you look at things like Kentucky, right? When you, when you see that and it's like, I've got friends there who are, you know, are talking about this. It's like 95% of the polling locations, uh, you, you know, it's, it's not just, that's not voter suppression, right? That is, that is the elimination of free and fair elections in our country. And that should be criminal. Like, and, you know, we need to get out of this habit of, of, you know, taking these cases to court and being like, oh, no, you know, well, the election's already over. That person's already in power, right? Like, so we're not going to, no backsies, right? No, we need to get out of that. Like, we need to be like, we should have a Governor Abrams right now, right? Like, we should, there are so many just outright, <laughs> crimes that, that are happening at our polls right now and, and will be happening this year, especially, um, you know, that, but I'm not surprised with the way things look right now. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know what the solution is long-term, but, but short-term, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be rough. <laughs> so, I mean, and I think it's up to all of us to really step up and speak out about it. So, you know, I think just your podcast is great and, um, you know, I think you should, it's 
spreading the word about about some of this stuff is is how we we fix it right because i mean the more people who understand it the more people who know it the more people who really educate themselves on it it's like hell don't take my opinion right don't take my word for it go check it out yourself right okay. and really do your research um you know uh try to keep your attention on it for longer than five minutes and and, and you know and you, you won't like what you see either and, and, and nobody does regardless of which side you're on right and so, um, you know, I, I think the partisan divide, uh, and that's really the craziest thing of the, of the whole year, right, is, is the partisan division across all of these things is, to me, just kind of unfathomable, fathomable. like there is no, I, I can't even begin to understand, um, like, how, uh, how we got to this point, right, where you have, like, an entire... We have two very divided segments of the population, very few people left in the middle, right? And and you can literally tell which side of the divide you are on by whether or not you're wearing a mask in public during the in the middle of a pandemic, right? It's like and I and, and I feel like it's been very clear to everyone at this point. You know, I'm not wearing a mask when I'm out there to protect myself. I'm literally wearing one to protect you. And so, you know, the idea that I would not wear one because it's my body, my choice. And yeah, it took, took, it took a pandemic for the other side of the aisle to basically understand, you know, what choice is all about. Mm. Uh, but Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, this, this is just to me, um, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. Uh, it's, it's just crazy. Uh, you know, but I think I, I do have a lot of hope that that, that that things will get better and that we will overcome this, right? Um, I I think we have to, but um, you know, I've I've seen more crazy stuff in the last three months than than I ever thought I would see. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's just insane uh, the number of 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 folks that, that are out there right now doing and saying the craziest stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't understand how in the middle of a pandemic, right, like we, the, the, there are groups and people who have brought this country to the brink, right? Like we are at the brink. <laughs> and so how do we fix that? How do we come back from that? Um, you know, and I think it all goes back to the very first question you asked, which is, you know, you have to start looking at, the local politics of it, right? Um, so much of this is, is about local, right? Like, we'd probably all be wearing masks in public right now if we had a governor that actually, you know, cared enough to, to do something about it, and we don't. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's all about state level. And if we had a state legislature that was, you know, um, able to step up and actually have informed their own opinion, um, we have representatives, local county representatives, who could step up and form their own opinion that weren't afraid of partisan blowback, right? If they weren't afraid of what the governor would do, if they weren't afraid of what the president would say, then, then they would be doing the responsible things that they need to be doing. They would be considering that they, they, they're there to represent everybody and not just, you know, their side of the aisle. Uh, and I think that, yeah, we should we should all lean into, you know, 
really getting involved at the local level and really getting involved in the down ballot aspect of, of our elections and, and supporting the, the local candidates who are, are really going to have the big impact on things like whether or not, you know, folks are wearing masks in public or, you know, um, whether or not we're, we're able to, to, to get to our polling locations or vote by mail in the middle of a pandemic. It's, these are all things that are decided, you know, not up at the federal level. Um, and there are things that are decided down here um, locally. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, okay. Now, now you got me a little lost for words. <laughs> so. Well, maybe that's a, a great place to wrap it. I will be sure to link your website, Eden for Texas, all of your social handles, Eden for Texas, um, let people know where they can learn more about you, donate to you. Um, I know you have, your um, every Friday evening, you do your video roundtable discussions. I'll link to that as well. Um, but as I'm a, actually going to invite you to participate on one of those, if you I would love to. You know, you know how slash where to find me. So I mean, here we are. Also, because now Friday nights are pretty open because I'm not going anywhere, so <laughs> I have time. You know, you can always come protest with me. Um, Great. I mean, might yeah. as well. Yeah, do something yeah. with this time. Um, at the end of each so show, I like to ask my guests a final question. as like a palate cleanser, leaving us on a high note, and that is, what is the best advice you were ever given, or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, I mean, there are a lot of different things, but I, I think, you know... Uh, Doing something now would probably be the piece of advice I'd give to myself. You know, like if I could, I, I always feel like if I could have done more you know, 20 years ago, um, or if I'd have been paying attention more back then, uh, if I'd have been more active back then, you know, when I was younger and I wasn't really paying attention to the political aspect of things as much, um, that, you know, I think that it, it would have been better, that I would have been. I think better off, you know, I would have felt like I had done more um, that I could have done. And, and I think, yeah, that's, that's really the, the biggest piece of advice I would have given myself is to become more active, you know, sooner uh, than, than I did. And, um, you know, I think honestly, the, not really much else <laughs> besides that, you know, aside from, you know, basically loving myself a little more back then than I, than I did. Um, I was <laughs> seriously it's 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 uh yeah but but at the same time um you know giving myself advice and whether or not i would have taken it back then are two very different things you know even if it was me giving it so uh, but still yeah uh, and and i want to thank you so much for for um letting me come on and and, and, and do a rant you know because <laughs> We haven't gotten to have that kind of conversation in a while, and I really missed it. I love a I love a good Maddie rant, especially about such important things. So you're welcome anytime to come rant about these topics. Um, 
And that's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com and visit the website theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mom and Duke for our theme music. Make sure you're registered to vote, research your upcoming elections in your area, and I will talk to you all later this week. Bye.